Um, listen, I wasn't going to do an episode, um, today. I was going to wait a few days cause usually I'll, I'll wait, you know, get some ideas in my head and then I can kind of make sure that the episode will be pretty good. Cause that's what I'm trying to do these days. I'm trying to do more quality as opposed to quantity. My old philosophy was quantity. I was watching too much Gary V cause Gary V is just like, come out with shit every five minutes. It doesn't matter if it sucks. And, uh, I was like, yeah, Gary, I'll just make I would make podcasts every day. And then they just like, you know, they're just not that good. I mean, like I said, I peaked very early in podcasting. Most of you who listen now have never listened to the old episodes. I don't know why you listen to the new ones. And especially if you like the new ones, then you would love the old ones. I'm talking about the old, old ones. Because a lot of the perception is that like, oh, well, if if episode 138 wasn't very good, then episode 11 is definitely not good. Well, you're absolutely wrong. It's actually the opposite with me. I've actually gotten progressively worse at podcasting until very recently. I'm back on the upswing. But yeah, I peaked right out the gate. I was one of the best podcasters in America. So you should go listen to the old episodes and then you can see the fall. It's similar to the fall of the Roman Empire. It's very similar. It's eerily similar. If you are if you if you were to go from the beginning of my podcast and listen to every single episode. It would be eerily similar to the fall of the Roman Empire, but it would be different in the sense that now you see the beginning of the rise again, okay? I was just uh, recording. I was three minutes into this new episode. I deleted it because I got a call from a random phone number, and it was an Indian guy's name, and I was like, let's see what this guy wants. I'll answer the phone on speaker, and I'll have a phone conversation, and we'll see what uh, hijinks we can get into or what silly things I can do with this Indian fella. But it turned out he was the landlord of an apartment that I'm interested in. Now I am at a crossroads. I wasn't going to talk about this, but you know what? Maybe you guys have some advice. I'm not very good at negotiating with Indian people. I feel like, cause Indian people are great negotiators. They're probably, they're possibly the only people who could out negotiate a Jew. I swear to God. And you know, you know how Indians are. An Indian gets you on the phone and you might be in trouble, especially if you have to stay on the phone. If you could just hang up, then hang up immediately. Get out of there. But if they've got you, if they got you nibbling, they're going to hook you and they're going to reel you in and they're going to get you. I mean, and I respect it. I respect that about Indians. I wish that they would, uh, I wish they had better hygiene. That's one thing that I wish that Indians were better about. But one thing that I really respect Indians about is the, they're master negotiators, especially an Indian man who's in his 40s. Jesus Christ. They're terrifying, dude. So this guy called me, and he's talking about, it's a very, it's a nice apartment. It's a nice apartment, and it's $2,600 um, for the three of us. So what would that be? It'd be a, a little less than 900 each. It'd be about $860 each, right? Something like that, right? $866 each, I think, and change. Um, and utilities on top of that, let's just, let's just round up. It's going to be about 900 each. That's a little bit more than I want to pay. I'm looking for something more like 750 each after utilities, but he's on the phone with me and I'm like, I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, I'm in the power position here because this guy is definitely desperate because he knows what's looming on the horizon. What is looming on the horizon is that rent prices in New York City are gonna drop probably 10, 15%, you know? They're gonna drop pretty dramatically 
And it's going to take a long time for that to recover because we're, we're dealing with a global recession, right? And uh, so we were kind of banking on that, you know, like me and the boys, because we were thinking like, this is great timing. Like I said, Corona has brought nothing but good and joy to my life personally. And this was just another one of those things that really has been uh, helping us, helping our situation. I mean, first of all, the guy is the landlord, the guy that just called me. He's the landlord. So there's no broker fee. That's a really good sign. So even though it's 2600 there's no broker fee. It's not the initial payment would be first month and the security deposit. And he said we could pay the security deposit in four separate payments over four months. Again, this is a nice thing. I mean, it's a spacious apartment and it's nice. He just repainted the whole thing. He put in new floors and, uh, you know, the, the, the you know, fridge and st all that stuff is like it's newer and it, it looks good. I mean, obviously, we, we're going to want to check it out. <clears throat> but I want he he's he's like, well, you know, because I, I said to him, look, man, like you understand the situation right now. We're dealing with a global pandemic. We don't really want to pull the trigger yet. We want to give it a few weeks. And he was like, oh, yeah, sure. I totally understand if you need like a week to decide. And I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing, Mr. Indian man. No, that's not what I meant. I don't mean that I need a week to decide. I mean, like I need a month probably, you know, I need several weeks before we're going to start putting down deposit money. He wants the deposit money now. He's like, I can hold it for you if you want. And you don't have to move in till like mid April, but I would need at least some of the security deposit right now. And I'm like, okay, I see what game you're playing. So you want us to agree on this 2,600 price before you inevitably have to knock that down to, I mean, like my dad, the Jew that he is, he's telling me the low ball, the fuck out of the thing. He's telling me start offering these places. He's saying, you know, these, these uh, apartments that are 2,600, 2,700, he's like, offer them two grand. He's like, wait three weeks and then offer them two grand. He's like, they'll give it to you for 2,200. So I'm thinking that sounds really great. You know, that sounds like something I could get into for real. But this Indian guy, he's just like, I can't, like, I'm not Jewish enough to out-Jew his Indianism. Like, he's very Indian. You know what I mean? Like, it's like um, if these things go in degrees, it's like if this was an RPG, I would have, like, Judaism would give my negotiating skill plus 16, right? My Judaism would give my negotiating skill plus 16, but I don't have really good negotiating skill to begin with. So it puts me at about a 25. Let's say I had a nine base negotiating skill. Cause like I'm a, cause like I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a, uh, a paladin and paladins aren't really negotiators. We're more like into healing arts and we wear heavy plate. And this guy, he's an Indian and he's also like a shaman and you know, they're, they're shysty and they like, so as a shaman, you already have a base negotiating skill of like 15, but then, so you're thinking, oh, well, Dave, but you have 25 because of your Judaism bonus, and he's only got 15. That's what I said, base. I said base. And then being Indian, he gets at least, and he's pretty advanced Indian. So we're going to say he gets plus 22. He gets plus 22 negotiating skill. So we're talking about this guy is rocking a 37 negotiating skill. I've got 25 negotiating skill. I'm outmatched. I really should just have my dad negotiate for me, but that's a weak move. That's a weak move. I've got to do this on my own. And, and I got to talk to the boys about it. I got to talk to the boys. But I really want to make this guy wait 
but he is going to do everything in his power to get us to just hop on board really quick before he has to suffer. You know, when he was on the phone, I heard his wife in the background. I heard his wife in the background. I think they were in the car and I heard her saying things because he's like, oh, you know, it's right near the, uh, am I doing an Indian accent? Whatever. It's an accent. If it's not Indian, that means it's not offensive. Oh, I'm, I, uh, the apartment is right near the, uh, all of the, uh, mass transportation. It's near the, uh, the sixth train and the, uh, uh, the, the something. And then she's like, oh, and the seven train in the background. She's like, oh, and the seven. And he's like, oh, yes, the seven train. It's right near. And that's the one I need to take. So that's important. Seven train right to Grand Central. I said to myself, this is brilliant. I mean, it's perfect. It's in Long Island City. I'd be rocking a 25 minute commute. A 25-minute commute, are you kidding me? I mean, it's a great, it's a great situation, potentially. But 2600 too much. And he doesn't want to go down, and I don't want to go that high. So we are at an impasse, and the better negotiator is going to win, and that means that I'm going to lose unless I do some serious training. So I'm going to watch a lot of YouTube videos, you know, or something. How do you get better at negotiating? I'm either going to watch a lot of YouTube videos or I'm going to recite a lot of prayers. Tonight before bed, I'm going to be like, That's the Hanukkah prayer, though. I don't know if it's going to work out of season. Oh, <coughs> Jesus, man. I'm just scared, guys. I'm just scared. This Indian guy, he's going to shut me down. And not only am I going to be a failure in the eyes, in my, in my own eyes, when I look in the mirror and I'm going to see a failure, but I'm going to be a failure in the eyes of my people. And they're going to say, I thought you knew that we're better negotiators than the Indians. And I would say, maybe you are, but I'm just not that Jewish. Okay, you yarmulke wearer. Take that stupid Frisbee off your head. But maybe that's why they're better at negotiating. Maybe that's the key. I have an Eagles yarmulke. I have a Philadelphia Eagles yarmulke. I can wear it when he goes to show us, the, when we go to see the apartment. When we go to see the apartment, I'm going to wear the yarmulke. Maybe that'll work. Maybe I should grow out curls. I don't know. But something's got to give. I need a plus 12 to my negotiating skill. I need to do this literally in two to four weeks. And I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the mental wherewithal to pull that off. I'm working a full-time job, which is kind of a joke because, uh, you know, global pandemic. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of, uh, I spent a lot of time reading today while I was at work. I don't think I was supposed to, but there really wasn't much for me to do. So this is where I'm at, folks. Um, you know, that's not even what I wanted to talk to you about, though, when I when I had the idea for this uh, podcast. But I'm really glad that that happened. And I'm really glad that I got this rant off my chest. And a lot of great stuff just came out of my brain. And that was all stream of consciousness. None of that was written down. But that's because I'm pretty remarkable as a as a as a comedic mind. And one of the greatest of the of the 21st century, but, but, oh, I was going to go somewhere else. I forget. Not the best podcaster. That much is certain, but that's not even what I was going to talk to you about, but I'm glad that it happened, but that's not even what I was going to talk to you about, but I'm glad that it happened. So what was I going to talk to you about? But what do you think? What do you think? You got any advice? What do you think I should do to this Indian guy? What am I gonna do? It's almost like uh, it's almost like I'm dating, and this Indian guy, he's a little too aggressive. 
but I really like him. What am I going to do? Girls, what am I going to do, girls? How am I going to handle the situation? Should I ghost him for a few days? Should I ghost him for a few days? Maybe I hit him up on Friday and I go, hey, with two Ys. Maybe on Friday I'll hit him up and I'll go, hey, still got the apartment, smiley. I'll go, hey, two Ys, still got the apartment, smiley, wink. No, don't do a wink. Don't do a wink. That's too much. You barely know each other. You only have one phone conversation. Come on. Don't already start throwing winks at this guy. Come on, Dave. Where are you, a whore? I don't know. You know, hit me up. Let me know your thoughts. I have to talk to the boys about it. Like I said, I like that. I'm calling them the boys now. You know who they are. It's Josh and Eric. They're the boys. Soon we're going to be the boys, the three of us, in our apartment. And hopefully it's going to be this one because honestly, straight up, it is really nice. But, oh, what about this, dude? I saw one that's in fucking, I saw one that's in, um, uh, what is the nice part of Brooklyn? Greenpoint. Oh, Greenpoint's perfect. Again, 25-minute commute on the subway. Perfect. And I found this place. It's got a backyard. 2700 though. And there might be a broker fee. I don't know. I reached out to inquire, and they haven't answered yet. But there might be a broker fee. That would be a deal breaker. That would be a no. But if there's no broker fee, then maybe we can Jew them. And maybe this landlord won't be Indian. Because if it's a goy, you know... I have the advantage. You know I have the advantage if it's a Gentile. Unless he's Italian, because they're they're slime balls too. Italians are just as reptilian as Jews are. I don't know if you knew that. So I don't know. This is all exciting. I would love to have a backyard. And it also has a fire escape, a little fire escape, where we could smoke weed there or whatever, you know? Or just on a on a night. Just kind of sit out on the fire escape. I don't know if you can even do that. I don't know. I don't know much about fire escapes to begin with. Um, but very exciting stuff. I'll let you know what happens. What do we decide on? Find out probably in four weeks, probably something like that, but there's good options and they're just getting better. Thanks to Corona. And I'm not talking about the beer. Sorry. I just said that. This is what I wanted to talk to you about, though. It is Corona-related because I saw Trump uh, doing his press conference, and I thought to myself, I could be doing this job so much better than this guy, and I can't believe no one on his PR team, because, you know, he's got an, a magnificent PR team. Trump frequently puts himself in a position where he, where he can wait to see the outcome of something and then determine what side of it he's on. It's, I'd have to think of an example to explain. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. He'll kind of like meander around issues and he'll, he'll set himself up where he can be right either way. He can be right no matter what happens. Cause sometimes he'll, if one thing happens, he'll go, exactly. That's what I've been saying. But then if another thing happens, he can be like, well, you know, I mean, the reason that I was saying what I was saying was because this is exactly what was going to happen. So I don't know what you people expected. Obviously, this is how it was going to be. I mean, look, I, I called it. I kind of called it. Uh, I've been right about a lot of things. He would say something like that. I don't know. He's just he's able to um, he's like he's like uh, he's like a chameleon with issues. 
And I respect that more than anything about the guy. I mean, I love that. But that's why I have no patience for him and how hard he's dropping the ball and his whole team is dropping the ball on this uh, on this PR of this corona situation. He was on TV today. And let me just tell you what I would do if I was president versus what he did at his press conference today. He had the corona, you know, what do they call it? Um, squad, whatever, the task force. He had the Corona task force, him and the task force on TV, and he is really downplaying the situation, which is a very bad move politically. He's on TV and he's making it seem as though this is no big deal. He's really downplaying it. And he's like, everything's going to be fine. Just give it a few weeks, which it's a bad move because the likelihood of that, of him being right is very low. He could be. But it's very low. It's not likely. <laughs> I thought of the best idea. Oh, my God. I wish I was this guy's advisor right now. I wish I was just president right now. But it would, I, I would also be happy if I was his advisor right now because I would tell him this immediately. Or go, Don, what are you doing? Check this out. Th this, is, this is such a good idea. It blew my mind. I couldn't even believe that I thought of it. But then I remembered that I'm me. So, of course, I thought of it. He's on TV and he's downplaying the situation. Now, I kind of get why you might want to do that because it, it'll it keep people calm. There won't be panic in the streets and all of this. And maybe it'll kind of discourage people from doing all the panic buying that's making it hard to get toilet paper and things like that. So it's not all bad, the fact that he's downplaying it a little bit. Maybe the global markets don't freak out as much. But politically, I'm saying for him. It's just not a good look because he's probably going to be wrong and then he's going to look like a failure and the American government is going to look like failures. This is what I would do if I was president right now. I would go on TV with the Corona Task Force. But first of all, I would not let them speak. I would be the only one who could speak. I would just have a doctor next to me and I would make sure that he nods because I've got his family held hostage at my house. I mean, that's just part of being a good leader is you have to have hostages. You have to have blackmail. I don't know how else you're going to lead effectively. Um, you know, maybe through charisma, you need that too, but you also need hostages. If there's anything that makes a good leader, it's charisma, hostages, and blackmail. That's what you want. Those are the big three, and I would have them all. So yeah, I've got this doctor. Maybe it would be Dr. Fauci. I don't know. It doesn't really matter who the doctor would be. He'd have some really nice credentials, and he'd also not currently have a family because they'd be held hostage. And I, but I'd be a good hostage keeper and I'd get, I'd give them all, um, I'd make sure they all get Stockholm syndrome and then they would rather stay with me than go back to Dr. Fauci or whoever. Anyway, he's obviously, you know, he's just a tool. He's a tool of mine completely because I have his family hostage and I'm just going to say, whatever I say, you will stand next to me and you'll nod your head and that's all you're going to do. It's very simple. You've got the easiest job ever. I'm going to, you know, and then your family will not, no harm will come to your family. But you know how Fauci the other day, Trump said something and Fauci kind of went, oh God. And he put, a, put his hand on his face and it was just like, oh Jesus. Like if the guy who, who was my doctor did that, that would be fine. But his family would die. That's all. I mean, I'm a simple guy. Now, this is what I would do. I would go on stage and I would go, listen, folks, I would walk 
behind the podium and I would address the American people and I would go, my fellow Americans. Actually, I wouldn't say that because I think that's corny when they say my fellow Americans. I don't like that. I would say, listen. I would get really serious and I would just say, listen. It would be really quiet and I would get behind the podium and all you would hear were the, the snapping of cameras. You know, you would hear the snapping of cameras and I would put my hand up. I would put my hand up. Not not quite in a Hitler-esque fashion. It wouldn't be fully extended, but I would put my hand up lightly, kind of above my face, and I would look out at the cameras, and I would make the cameras stop taking pictures just by looking at them very menacingly. I would put my hand up, and I would wait until the cameras stopped flashing. And then I would say, listen. I would put my hand down, and I would say, listen. It's bad. I would go, what? no, actually, I wouldn't say that. I would put my hand up, I would put my hand down, and I would go, listen. I would go, whatever you've heard about this, this virus, if you've heard that it's bad, you're wrong. Because the truth is, it's worse. It's worse than anything you've heard. It's worse than you could possibly imagine. And it might be the end of society as we know it. And people start to panic. I go, listen, listen to me. I go, calm down. Cameras are flashing. I go, stop with the cameras. Someone confiscate the cameras. And I would have someone confiscate the cameras. That would take about 15 minutes. And then after the cameras were confiscated, I'd go, thank you. You know I get migraines. You know I get migraines from the flashes. Even though I don't really get migraines from the flashes. But I just want people to understand. I just want there to be a reason for why I would have done it. Even though the real reason is I'm just exerting my power. That's all. I don't. It's not because I get migraines. It is kind of annoying to have the cameras flashing on me all the time. And I wish they would understand that. But you know, paparazzi never understand. The journalists never understand. The photographers never understand. They never get it because they've never been on the other side of the camera because they're completely unimportant. So they've never been on the other side of the camera. So they don't don't know what it's like having all the flashes in your face constantly while you're trying to give an address to the American people. Well, maybe... That's what I should do. Maybe I should start taking pictures of them while they're taking pictures of me. And maybe I'll have a whole task force of cameramen who will take pictures of the cameramen. That's an idea that I'm floating in committee. (coughs) And I would say, listen to the American people. I'd say, listen, it's worse than you think. I would say, but this is where I'm setting myself. Are you seeing what I'm doing? Some of you are ahead and some of you are seeing what I'm doing. And you might have a spot on my team because you're politically savvy. I would go, listen, I'm going to be honest with you folks. I mean, what's the date today? It's the 24th of March. I would go, listen, I'm going to be honest with you folks. By the end of April, me and my team suspect that there will be 478 million cases of coronavirus in the United States of America. And then I would look to Dr. Fauci and he would nod his head up and down. And that would be it. And this is what I'm doing, though. First of all, that's impossible. There's not that many people in the United States of America. The higher estimates put it around 350 million. So my estimate, my estimate is 128 million more cases than there are people. Now, what does that mean? That means that I'm totally, I'm totally going to come out looking better than that. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of April, I made this prediction at the end of March that there would be 478 million people infected. 
And then at the end of April, when there's only like a million people, I come on TV and I go, holy fuck. Can you even believe how much better I did than what the doctors expected? And Dr. Fauci would be there holding his head in his hands. I go, look at this fucking vaccinated fuck. Look at this dumb fucking vaccine filled doctor who told me, didn't you, Dr. Fauci? And he would nod his head. I'd say, didn't you, Dr. Fauci? You told me 478 million people would be infected and there was nothing I can do about it. Well, through my leadership and through the American government under my command, we have limited this to, and it doesn't even matter how many cases there are, you know? Like, let's say realistically, an extremely high number of cases is 150,000 cases in the United States at the end of April. Well, no, it's probably more like a million. Let's say a million. Let's say a really high number at the end of April would be a, a million. Like, that is possible, but it's unlikely. But if things went badly, it could be a million. Well, now I've set myself up where even if that happens, even if things are handled as badly as possible, and there's 2 million cases, there's 2 million infected in the United States, even if things go so badly, I'm, ma I'm making these numbers, I don't know if there could be, I don't know if at the end of April there might be 10 million cases, I don't know. But even if there were, even if there were 200 million cases, do you understand what I'm saying? Even if there were 200 million cases at the end of April, I could stand up there victorious, and I could say, you see guys, it's not nearly as bad as we expected. You know, even if, even if, uh, you know, even if uh, 250,000 people are already dead in their graves, I could be like, this is a huge victory for me and for the United States. And this is why, this is the kind of political savvy that's going to raise me up to the upper echelons of society. And um, I just wanted to share that with you so bad because I thought of that and I was like, oh, this is so good. I was like, oh my God, you got to do something with all this you got to do something with all this. You got to tell the people about it. But just the people who will listen, who is you, and the people who can do nothing to stop it, who is also you. And I'm just giving you a little taste of what's to come, the kind of leader that I'll be. Like I said, charisma, hostages, and blackmail. That is how you do it. And uh, I don't know. I, nothing against Dr. Fauci. And obviously, this is all hypothetical. And I don't even know if it would necessarily be him, but it would just be a doctor with credentials. I'd like someone from Johns Hopkins. I just like the way that sounds. Um, is there anything else really to say? I mean, I think I've said it all for, for this episode. I think I've just about exhausted myself. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of brilliance in this episode. Um, extemporaneous brilliance. That just came right out of the top of my noggin. And um, it was remarkable. It was impressive. I agree. I did not pause once. Sometimes I'll pause to think. Um, that didn't happen in this episode. This was just... I just... It just, it, it, it just all came to me. And I think there's something... There's a degree of divinity there. That... I don't quite understand. But... I do um, appreciate and respect it. And I, I understand the immense amount of power that it gives me. And that really makes me excited for the future. And also being able to move into my own spot with the boys. You know, so like I said, I'll keep you posted. I hope you guys are uh, distancing yourself socially. Um, and I hope you're not licking uh, 
surfaces. I saw a video that a kid posted. I think it was on TikTok. And he's just in a pharmacy. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, like maybe a CVS or something, a Rite Aid. And he's just walking down the deodorant aisle. And he's just licking the deodorant. Um, not the actual deodorant, like the, the, he just sticks his tongue out and walks down the deodorant aisle, licking everything. And he got arrested. Isn't that great? And if you see the, the, the kid in the video, you just want him to get, you know, I mean, if you just look at his face, it's not just that you want him to get arrested. You also want him to get brutalized by the police. He's got one of those faces. So I don't know if he was brutalized by the police. I can only hope he's white. So I assume not, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, operate under the assumption that he did get brutalized by the police, but also he is arrested and that is official. And I thought that was pretty funny. And I think that what people do for TikTok is getting way out of hand. And, uh, I don't know. I don't have a TikTok. I tried making a TikTok. Every TikTok that I made was about how horrible TikTok is, and yet somehow it still exists, and it's getting worse, and I've never seen anything from TikTok that doesn't make me cringe, except for maybe one thing that I've ever seen on TikTok that didn't make me cringe, but I think it's here to stay, and that makes me sad. So on that somber note, I'll end this episode. Thanks for listening. I love you forever. Bye.